uh, chapters 1 and 2, beginning at verse 1 of chapter 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us, and we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. This terrified them, and they asked, What have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, What should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried to the Lord, O Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man for you. O Lord, have done as you pleased. Or for you, O Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Amen. So Jonah was called by God to to go to Nineveh to preach uh, to them of their wickedness. Uh, But he didn't go. We we saw that, didn't we, in the first uh, three verses of of the uh, the chapter. 
rather than heading uh, northeast to go um, up to Assyria, uh, to go to Nineveh, the capital there, he headed southwest and he went down to, to Joppa. And he went down to Joppa to board a ship to, to flee from the presence of the Lord and to go to, to Tarshish, which we think is in, was in southern Spain. But at Joppa, he found uh, the ship that he so desired to get on board. And as he paid the fare, uh, he boarded that ship. And having gone onto the ship, he, he went down uh, into the hold of the ship and he went to, to sleep. Jonah was continuing to disobey the Lord, wasn't he? And last week we saw something of the consequences that it had for, uh, not only for Jonah, but also for the sailors, these men that he had, had never met before. We're told in verse 4 that the Lord literally hurled a great wind on the sea and it, pr- it produced a ferocious storm and it literally stopped Jonah in his tracks. He was trying to flee from the presence of the Lord and the Lord put a, put a stop on him. He stopped the boat uh, going any further and he stopped Jonah uh, travelling uh, to Tarshish. And he sent this, uh, this wind and this storm to bring Jonah to his senses. That it was an act of, of loving discipline uh, for one of his children. It was a, a fatherly act that Jonah was fleeing from the Lord. And the Lord was pursuing Jonah and stopping him from, from fleeing. He was, he was making him face up to what he has done. And just like a, as a father, we might do that with our children. We might make them face up to uh, to the seriousness of what they have done. He was, he was doing that. The, the Lord was uh, making Jonah realize what he had done. And the crew of the, the ship had cried out to their gods. Uh, they had, had, uh, had cried out each to their own god, but nothing had happened. The storm had continued. And so they started to throw all the cargo off the ship. They, they were throwing it into the sea uh, so that they could ride out the storm. And then we, we find out in, in verse uh, 6 uh, that the captain uh, went down and he found Jonah uh, in the, um, the hold of, the, of the, the boat. And then he's sleeping through this, uh, this ferocious storm, this storm that has terrified these sailors. And he wakes Jonah and he orders him to call out to his God. All the others have done this and it hasn't worked. Maybe Jonah calling out to his God will, will work But Jonah refuses. He doesn't call out to to the Lord. And we thought a little bit about last last week about the fact that when we we continue in sin, that it keeps us from prayer and that that for Jonah to come to the Lord would mean that he would have to confess his obvious sin, this thing that he's he's running away from, this direct command that he was given to to go to Nineveh and to preach. And so he refuses to pray because he's not ready to do that. He's in... Uh, he's in no good place in that respect as he continues in his sin. Well, that's the story so far. Perhaps if, uh, if this was a, a TV series and, you know, they often have that little bit at the beginning, that one or uh, half a minute where it tells you the things that have happened. I think perhaps this is particularly with American uh, programs, isn't it? Previously on dot, dot, dot. But that's where we've, uh, what we've gone through so far. And we've seen uh, the Lord is starting to deal with uh, his errant uh, prophets. And so as we look at verses 7 today, I want us to look at uh, three particular things as we uh, look under the topic of the, a good confession. Uh, firstly, that the truth will come out. Uh, that the truth will come out. Uh, secondly, that our confession will be tested. That our confession of faith will be tested. And thirdly, that uh, we should fear the Lord. Uh, that we should fear the Lord.
Uh, so those are our, our three headings for this morning. So firstly, the truth will uh, come out. Uh, verses 7 and 8. Then the, te- the sailors uh, said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity, literally for this evil. And so they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble, all this evil for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? That The truth will come out. The truth will come out eventually. The truth comes out as the sailors uh, seek to find out who is responsible uh, for the storm. The sailors don't know, do they? They are unaware of of who has brought this uh, calamity, this evil uh, upon them. But they want to find out. They're desperate to, to find out that this storm is something that they have, have, never, uh, have never come across before. The ferocity of this storm, that they realise that it's no ordinary storm, that it's a storm that has, that has terrified these, these seamen and that they know that the origins of this storm are divine. We saw that um, because they all called out to their God, and they, uh, they commanded Jonah to call out to his God too. And so they reckon that there must be some serious sin uh, behind this ferocious storm. Somebody must have done something to, to greatly offend their gods. And of course, we know that's, that's the case, isn't it? But they don't know. They've called out to their gods for mercy and nothing has happened. The storm has continued to rage. And so now they resort to the casting of lots. And the casting of lots is, I guess, is more than a a tossing of a a coin uh, to find. They're they're trying to determine something. When many years ago, I used to toss a coin to make decisions over various things. It was often inconsequential things like if we're going to have a takeaway, should we have a curry or should we have pizza? And I used to do it because it made me make a decision. We would um and ah for ages. I'd toss a coin and the coin would say pizza because it was head. And I'd say, actually, I don't want pizza, I want curry. And it would make me just come to a decision. This isn't, this isn't this, what this is about. This is a divinely attested way of finding out something that only God can, uh, can reveal, only God can tell. We don't know the ins and outs of it. And Joan, uh, the, you know, this book doesn't explain how they did it. Uh, but it does tell us uh, that it was a uh, that it revealed the truth that what they did revealed the truth and it's not something that we do is it casting of, of lots but in Proverbs uh, chapter 16 and verse 3 uh, the word of God says this it says the lot is cast into the lap but its decision is from the Lord its decision is from the Lord and so as they cast these lots and the lot fell on Jonah it was the Lord showing who was the guilty one showing up uh, Jonah's guilt, something that only Jonah uh, and, of course, the Lord were aware of at that time. And we sometimes say, don't we, that the truth has a a funny way of of coming out, that uh, we talk about people having skeletons in their their closets, and that these things happen, have a habit of breaking out at a a very inconvenient time. Of course, there's there's no convenient time, is there, to have um, uh, secrets that have, have been hidden, uh, revealed, is there? There's no, there's no good time. Uh, but these things aren't, aren't, aren't random. That they are divinely appointed and that they reveal our, our guilt and they are to bring us to repentance. But often that isn't the case, is it? As somebody 
uh, has the, 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 their sin revealed to them, uh, that it often leads to them hardening their heart, as we saw even with, with Jonah, the Lord's prophet. And this uh, revelation of the truth could come about in, in many different ways. It could co- come about by someone being caught out in their, in their lies. Often that's what happens in a court case, isn't it? That you have uh, the, uh, uh, the lawyers and they, they try and, 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 get and drag the truth out of the, uh, of the accused. And so it could happen in, in, in many different ways. It could be just that circumstances uh, reveal it. It could be like what happened with the story of Joseph where uh, the sins of their brothers were slowly brought out and they were made to, 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 to front up to them and to confess them. And so do we admit our sin? Do we recognise it when we, we come across God's words and we realise that what we're doing is, is contrary to it? Do we repent or do we uh, do as Jonah is doing and, and flee and run away? Jesus gives a, um, a warning in uh, Luke uh, chapter 12. He says this, uh, that as a, a crowd gathered, a crowd of, of thousands, they were trampling on one another. Jesus began to speak first to his disciples saying, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight. And what you have whispered in the ear, in the inner room, will be proclaimed from the roofs. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after the killing of the body, has power to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Jesus warns us that that what we, what we say and we think is in secret uh, will, will come out. We were thinking uh, a little bit this morning in the discussion group about the fact that many people have been caught out by, by putting what they thought were personal comments on, on things like Facebook and Twitter. But then they found out they're actually publishing it to the, to the outside world and, and that people have been convicted and put in prison for things that they have said, what they thought they were saying in, in a private environment and the Lord Jesus here warns us that there is no such thing as privacy in that sense that that all will be uh, revealed it's just a matter of of time and I wonder if that makes you feel uncomfortable I wonder if that makes you feel uncomfortable in one sense it it should make us feel uncomfortable shouldn't it we've all had thoughts about people that that were wrong and that if they knew those thoughts uh, that it would, it would break that relationship or it would cause a terrible damage to that relationship. In one sense, we all have something to hide, don't we? Uh, but it's what we do about it. We can't hide anything from God and so do we turn to God and ask uh, for forgiveness and where it's appropriate, ask for forgiveness of those that we have uh, offended. Yet the good news, of course, the good news of Jesus Christ is that that all sin can be forgiven, isn't it? That's the, the great news, that we don't need to fear our, our sin being revealed because our identity is in Christ. You know, that The revelation of, of sin should just lead to humility, shouldn't it? It should lead, lead to us not having to hire an opinion of ourselves, 
that as we uh, confess our, our sin to God and as we receive the forgiveness that is only available in, in Jesus Christ, and that we know that the, the, the shameful things that we've done, that they have been dealt with, that they have been nailed to the cross, that we are forgiven uh, all those things. And therefore, we can speak openly, can't we? We can speak in a way that, uh, that non-believers can't speak. That they want to conceal uh, things about themselves and yet we can, we can be open. And we can say, well, these are things that we've done and they were wrong and they're shameful and yet we've been forgiven and we can commend Christ to them. What a, a comfort it is uh, that our salvation is not based on, on what we do but on what Christ has done, that he gave his life for us, that he loved us and gave his life for us. Well, the sailors have found out who's responsible for, uh, for the storm, but they, they now press Jonah for more information. They want to know a bit more about him. It's interesting that they, they didn't really want to know anything about him before. They just wanted his money as he came on, uh, on board. But now the sailors want to know all about Jonah because they realize that Jonah has done something terrible and they want to be able to, to put their finger on it and therefore be able to deal with it. And so the sailors ask Jonah five questions in quick succession. If somebody ever asks you uh, questions in quick succession, it's difficult even just to remember what the questions are. But it, you see in verse 8, tell us who, you, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us. I don't think they're... They're, they're asking for confirmation, although perhaps in one sense they are. They're asking for Jonah to own up to what he's done. But they're asking who, who it is, what this person is like. Who is it that's done this? Who is it that has, that has caused such a terrible uh, storm to come about? So Jonah's asked these things. What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? They... And if you want to, again, imagine the storm, they're probably having to shout this stuff at Jonah as this storm rages and the, the boat is tossed uh, to and fro. As you read it, you kind of get this calmness and it's all quiet and they're just having this gentle chat and perhaps the sailors are getting a bit frustrated because they know Jonah's done something terrible. But they're probably shouting across at one another to get one another to, to hear and to listen. They want to know what God it is that Jonah serves that could bring about these terrible events because they want to be able to appease that God, don't they? And so the God will bring the truth out and, and, and Jonah is confronted with the truth, isn't he? The truth of, of his situation, the truth of, his, of the consequence of his sin. And God will bring the truth out because God is a God of truth, isn't he? He's a God of truth. And because he's a God of truth and he's a God of holiness, that he's rightly angry at sin and at the sinner. Isn't he? He's dealing with, with Jonah and his sin. That his wrath needs to be appeased. The, the, uh, um, the, the sailors re- realise this, that, they, that, that this God needs to be appeased because their lives are in danger. And that we know from the teaching of Scripture that this can't be done by us. It can't be done by by either us doing something or by us making a sacrifice, but rather it's, it's a calling on God's mercy, God's character again. And it's, it's trusting in another, in the shedding of the blood of another, in the shedding of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But that's the only way to, uh, to appease God's wrath. 
Uh, that God is so, so gracious and, and kind to us that, that when the truth comes out, rather than that being a bad thing, it's actually a good thing. Often people have, who have, uh, have, have held on to a, a secret for years and it's et away at them. When, when it's finally come out, and normally not because they admitted it, but somebody discovered it, they've, they've come across a sense of relief, just the fact that they're not carrying it anymore. But they still haven't had that, that sin and that, that secret dealt with. But when we come to God and we recognize that what he says about us is true and we repent and we ask for forgiveness, we do uh, feel that, um, that, that joy of, of, of being forgiven, that relief that the burden of sin is removed from us. Uh, that when the truth comes out, that we have to respond to it and come to, to God and ask for forgiveness, to repent and, and to put our trust in Christ, the, the perfect one. So the truth will come out firstly. Uh, but secondly, uh, that our confession will be tested, our confession of faith uh, will be tested. So how does Jonah answer these five questions uh, that he's asked? He answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. But Jonah gives a, a good confession of faith, doesn't he? It's interesting to notice that this is the first time Jonah's spoken uh, so far. That we've got through um, eight verses of the, the chapter and the central character in, in, in human terms uh, hasn't even said anything. That God spoke to him and then everything else has just been his actions. And again, there's an irony here, isn't there? Because Jonah is, is the Lord's prophet. He is the Lord's mouthpiece. And yet actually he has not spoken. He's been kept silent by his sin. But now he, he finally opens his mouth and he, says, he confesses, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Jonah's kind of answering the questions that they've asked. He's kind of answering uh, the questions that they've asked. He tells them who he is. He says, I'm a, I'm a Hebrew, which is how the Israelites referred to themselves when they were speaking to foreigners, that he is a Hebrew. And he confirms who his God is. And he says, I worship the Lord. And then he tells them something about uh, his God. He doesn't say, my God is a, is a local deity, that he, he just has some kind of control over these hills or this, this plain or, or something like that. He says, he is the God of heaven. And by saying that, he's saying he is the one true God. That there is no other gods. And then he tells them of his amazing power. And in one sense, they don't need to hear, do they? Because they see this raging uh, storm that is, has come upon them. But he tells them that he is the one who's made the sea and the dry land. Now, that Jonah's God is God. That he is the only God. He doesn't say... He doesn't say that their gods don't exist. He just confesses uh, the truth. He affirms that the Lord, uh, the God of Israel, is the true God who is over all things. That's what he confesses. And so what Jonah says has far-reaching implications for these sailors and it has far-reaching implications for us, doesn't it? That there's not lots of gods, but there's one God that we must answer to. And so as Christians, it's important, isn't it? We are able to, we're able to confess our, our faith, that we know who we worship. 
that we know what he is like, that we know what the Bible teaches about our, our God. We know what the Bible teaches about how we are to act towards God and how we are to act towards others. That we are to, to know how to give a good confession of our faith as we speak to others, just as Jonah speaks to these pagan sailors. I wonder if, if you know how to, to confess our, our faith like this. I wonder what you would say if you were asked these, uh, these five questions. How would you answer? Well, in God's grace, we don't have to guess about what he's like, do we? We've been given his word, the Bible, so that we can know him and we can know his will for us and so that we can confess uh, what he's like to others. And the Bible's all about God, isn't it? It's, it's this delightful book, this wonderful book, the only one on earth that's been written by God. It's this wonderful, remarkable book, and therefore it's the only book that is, that is tr- completely true. It's a glorious book which has no equal. And in it, it tells us how, how our God created the world. It tells us how we are as we are. It tells us how we became sinful in our rebellion against God. It tells us of the perfect Son of God, the Saviour, doesn't it? It tells us that we can only be forgiven through faith in Him, that, that Christ is the one that restores uh, God to man and man to God, that He's the reconciler, that He's the only one that can save the helpless and the hopeless, just as these sailors are helpless and hopeless in their predicament. But Jonah gives a good confession of faith, but, but the truth of the Bible and, and even the truth of, of Jonah's lips, uh, they stand as a, as a testimony against Jonah because they stand in contrast to Jonah's actions. You see, what Jonah says about God is true, but what he says about himself is not wholly true. Did you notice there? He says, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. What he says about God is true. And what he says about himself, he is a Hebrew. But then he says he worships the Lord. What does he mean by that? And is he living that out? Is there a, a difference between what he says and what he, what he does? Jonah says he worships, he, he fears the Lord. That that's uh, his relationship to God in one sense. That he worships and he fears the Lord. And this phrase can mean one of of two things, but the two things are interconnected. It can either mean that he obeys the Lord, which again is is deeply ironic, isn't it, given the circumstances? Or it means to stand in awe of the Lord, which again is is deeply ironic given the circumstances. These two are intertwined. That If we stand in awe of Almighty God, then we'll obey him. And if we obey him, it's because we stand in awe of him. So does Jonah worship? Does he fear the Lord? We know he's he's not acting as one who worships or fears the Lord. And we know that from uh, from what has happened. That he's doing the complete opposite, isn't he? He He's disobeying uh, the Lord. And he's also showing no fear of the consequences of his actions. That up to this point, Jonah doesn't seem uh, overly concerned in one sense of what he's done. That Jonah is, is being humiliated by the pagan sailors as he, as he gives this confession and, and they see what he's actually living his life like. They see this great difference. 
and they are represent, he's representing God in a, in a terrible light. They, there must be confusion in these sailors' minds. Jonah says that he's, he's, uh, he, um, that he's obeying the Lord, that he's worshipping the Lord, that he fears the Lord. And yet also we see uh, his behaviour. It's interesting to notice that of the questions that, that Jonah is asked, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? The what do you do is the question that he doesn't answer. He doesn't say, I'm God's representative. I'm God's prophet. I'm God's mouthpiece. I'm God's spokesman. He doesn't say those. That's the, that's the question he doesn't answer. That his rebellion is so deep-rooted you know, that he's denying uh, what his, his role is, his God-given role. Now, Jonah deep down believes uh, the Lord and deep down he does fear the Lord. But there's something that has happened. His, his hatred of the Ninevites has, has become all-encompassing and has overridden his fear of the Lord. That his confession is, is true and it's one of the strange things, isn't it, about Christians and about uh, the Old Testament believers that we can, we can say things that we genuinely believe and yet our, our actions can deny uh, those things or can bring those, uh, those words into disrepute. But again, the Lord is, is testing his prophet. The Lord isn't um, out of control here. That he's leading Jonah uh, to repentance. He's revealing his sin to him in what is a, a painful way now as he uh, confesses before uh, these sailors. It's, a, it's important, isn't it? So we are saying before that it's important that we can confess our faith, but it's important that we don't undermine it by our actions. And again, there are sometimes that we, we come across those that say that they have faith in Christ, but yet we see no obedience uh, to his words. We see a disregard for his words. Sometimes they will think that they uh, believe and that they'll think they really believe these things and yet they, the activity shows that they don't. Other times they will know they don't believe but, they, but they're saying this because they want to be part of a group. And again, the words of their mouth are, are undermined by uh, their actions. And the Lord of heaven knows. He knows the inconsistencies that we have. He knows the, the inconsistencies of our own hearts. And he knows the inconsistencies here of Jonah, his prophet. I know each of us has to admit, don't we, that even as we try to live out uh, consistent lives, uh, there are times when we, uh, we behave in a way that is, is not befitting a, a follower of Christ. And at those times we must repent, mustn't we? We must turn from that sin, whether it's small sins or, or more major sins, that we're not to live life a lie, are we? We're to confess our, our sin, admit our inconsistency, ask the Lord to help us uh, to have a consistent life, a life that's consistent with our confession. The Lord knows the truth and he will test our confession and often in, in quite, uh, quite tough circumstances. But again, it's a loving, it's the loving work of our Father in heaven. So does your confession stand up to, to testing? Are, your, are the words of your mouth and the actions of your life consistent with one another? And I hope they are. Well, finally, uh, we should fear the Lord always. Perhaps this is the, the acid test of, of our confession. 
We see the reaction of the sailors in verse 10. This terrified them. And they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sailors respond to what Jonah says. They respond to Jonah's confession and it terrifies them. They realize that if this God has done this to one rebellious prophet, what might they do to them? It's a, a frightening thing. In fact, the, the way the, uh, they express it is the men feared with great fear. There's a double emphasis. They feared with great fear. This is no, just, no normal fear, fear of, of a, a dog that barks or something like that. But it's the fear of the, the, of, the, of the Lord, the fear of the one and true living God that shook them to the core, the very centre of their being. Jonah's given his testimony to uh, to the one he has rebelled against. And it strikes fear into their hearts, into the hearts of the sailors. They react the way that, that each of us should react, shouldn't we, when, as we um, come into the, uh, the hands of, of the living God, because we're told it's a, a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. They have crossed uh, the all-powerful God of heaven, and they feared him. And the scriptures tell us that that's how we are to be uh, before the Lord, aren't we? We are to fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belongs eternal praise. But it's the starting point, isn't it, to fear the Lord. And that should be the consistent uh, message of our lives, the consistent confession of our, our faith. We, we fear uh, the Lord. When we understand who the Lord is, we understand his sovereign power and might. It should produce uh, awe and reverence in us, shouldn't it? It should make us feel small in the enormity of his uh, presence and in the grandeur of his splendour. And this should never stop, should it? We should never lose that, that awestruck feeling that we are in a relationship with Almighty God. And that that should be demonstrated day by day as we obey his, his commandments. And again, there's an, an irony here, isn't there? It's the, the sailors that are struck with the fear of the Lord and not Jonah. Jonah should be the one that fears the Lord. And yet it's the sailors. And the sailors show genuine uh, fear of the Lord's. That they, that they realise that their lives are in his hands. Their very lives. But Jonah's fear is, is not genuine, is it? And it's certainly not at this time. It may have been genuine in the past. And it will no doubt be genuine in the future. In the past he's shown godly fear, hasn't he? But now Jonah is playing the role of the hypocrite that he says one thing and he does another. But Jonah should know better. He's been taught. He's been taught well. He has that good confession on his lips. He knows what the Lord is like and yet he's running away from him. In uh, chapter 4, verse 2, we, we know full well that Jonah knows what the Lord is like and the Lord's kindness and his mercy. When Jonah uh, prays, it says, O oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. 
I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. The sailors are are struck by God's awesome power and they fear, don't they? And yet Jonah doesn't. When Jesus was being crucified, uh, there were two men either side of him and one of the men uh, said uh, to the other man, do you not fear God? Do you not fear God? Since you are under the same sentence. And this was a man that was was, uh, cursing Jesus. He said, we are punished justly for we are getting what our sins deserve but this man has done nothing wrong. And then Jesus Uh, Then the man speaks to Jesus directly and he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Then he realises that he is a sinner and he's deserving uh, his punishment. And then he turns to Jesus and he he asks for mercy. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He recognises that this is God's king. And Jesus responds in, in grace and in kindness. Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. These These pagan sailors are fearing the Lord and and just as this man on the cross as he uh, comes across the the truth of of the one and only living God that he realised that he can cry out to him he recognised his need just as the sailors recognised their need and and this man turned to Jesus uh, to be saved so the the sailors fear and they want to know what Jonah has done do you notice that they they want to, get to really get to the bottom of it. They've found out what he's like. And they say, what have you done? And then in, in brackets we have, they knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them. And what a, a poor testimony Jonah had as the, the Lord's prophet. No wonder he didn't tell them that he was the Lord's prophet. That the one thing he's told them so far as he boards the ship is that he's running away from his gods. That he's fleeing him. Essentially, the one thing he says about his God is, I'm disobeying him. I'm running away from him. Now, it's often uh, because of fear that we run away, isn't it? Saying here that we should fear the Lord, we should have that, 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 that reverent view of him, we should be struck by awe. But fear often produces, um, causes us to run away, doesn't it? To try and hide, and particularly to try and hide from God. That we have uh, the but that fear is a fear of being found out, isn't it? As we run away from God. But fear should actually cause us to run to God. That fear of, of what God could do and knowing that the only solution is in God himself. And that God is the saviour. That he's the one that we've offended, but he's also the one that can restore us. But Jonah's case, it's his lack of fear that caused him to run away, isn't it? It's not his, his fear of being found out in one sense. It's his lack of fear of the true and living God. But Jonah, you notice, is still not forthcoming with information. He's, he said the, the, the kind of minimum that he can get away with. But they ask him this question and he doesn't, he doesn't answer. He doesn't tell them what he's, uh, what he's done. Although, of course, we're told that he's already told them that he's running away from the Lord. All that he said is, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. Jonah seems to be being brought on a journey as the ship is stopped from doing its journey. Jonah's being brought on a journey by, uh, by the Lord and yet uh, Jonah's still not 
repenting, even though these things have now come out. He's still not showing fear of the Lord as the sailors um, fear the Lord. Uh, Jonah continues to, uh, to, to flee in disobedience. And again, it, it demonstrates to us the importance, doesn't it, of applying to life the truth that we believe, the things that we know about our God. We've got to keep coming back to the, the gospel, haven't we? What does the gospel teach us about our God? And then apply those things to our lives so that we live consistently. We are responsible towards God, aren't we? And, and, but as, as Christians, we have that double responsibility, not only that we have to give an account uh, to God, but also that we represent him. And so we need to make sure, don't we, that that as we communicate our confession, that we get over the, the fear of the Lord, that we are to rightly fear God. That through faith in Christ, we don't have to fear the wrath of God anymore in that sense. That we're not fearing judgment and condemnation, but that because of reverent fear, that we should have that correct uh, confession, shouldn't we? Backed up by our, our lives. So what is our testimony like as we speak to one another? And what is it like before uh, non-believers? Jonah confessed the right thing, didn't he? But he demonstrated the wrong thing. Do we, do we demonstrate the fear of, of the Lord? Or, or do we actually show that as we speak with others, as we interact with them, that we, we show that we fear people rather than uh, the Lord? If we fear people more, it will be demonstrated, won't it, in our actions. And we won't commend um, our saviour to them if we fear people rather than the Lord then we'll, we'll be like Jonah he's fearing uh, people fearing taking the gospel to, uh, to the Ninevites rather than fearing uh, the Lord so we should pray shouldn't we we should ask the Lord to help us to give us a, a, a holy fear that we should have a, a zeal for the truth and a desire for the truth to come out that we should have that right confession on our lips, shouldn't we? And that we should confess what is true, that Jesus is the only way uh, to God, that he's the one saviour. But that we demonstrate it with our actions as we show that we fear uh, the Lord. So that then, unlike Jonah, uh, that we can say, uh, without fear of being a hypocrite, we can say these words, I am a Christian and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the lands. Amen.